Hi, my name is Molly Schulte Tucker, and I have the privilege of pastoring the good people of Ridgewood Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. During the summer of 2022, we are exploring areas of justice, including celebrating Pride Sunday, Juneteenth, talking about patriotism and Christian nationalism, childhood hunger, global warming, and violence. week. And, and I don't know if your family is anything like mine, but um, some nights, usually Wednesday night, if I'm being honest, usually we get to about Wednesday of the week. If you open our refrigerator door, you'll notice that we have a Tupperware full of like roasted potatoes And then we have another Tupperware full of like leftover fish sticks. I don't know. Um, And then we have another like foil wrapping around some leftover like biscuits. Do you you ever have those nights? We we call them leftover nights. You you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, I feel like that's kind of what my brain is doing today. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. A little bit of this. We are in a sermon series throughout the summer, a worship series um, that involves our book studies that are going on. Accidentally, a couple years ago, we started focusing on justice during the summer, and it kind of stuck. So last summer, we focused on some justice as well. This summer, um, we'll, we'll go through all the things in June we've done to focus on justice or the ways that we seek to make wrongs right. The ways that God seeks to make wrong things right that we get to move our feet within, right? Isn't that beautiful? Um, so with that, in preparation for a conversation with Chris Sanders next week about Christian nationalism, if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. Come back next week. Today, we were going to talk about war and peace from a Christian perspective. And so the scripture that Jim read earlier, it might be a familiar passage to you, especially that part where the prophet Isaiah talks about how God is going to beat the spears into pruning hooks, the swords into plowshares. And we're going to talk about what this meant uh, for Ukraine. And that's, that's there. It's like one of the Tupperwares in my mind right now. And so I want to give it some, some time and just a moment of pause. Um, and I feel like in order to sort out all of what's happening in my brain, and I feel like maybe all of what's happening in your brain, if you've lived through the last week, I have to go back to what I know, and I have to work my way forward to this moment. Does that sound okay? Can you um, help me maybe externally process the last month? Okay, so here we go. I'm going to give you 
Cam, hit me with that first slide. Way long ago, what felt like forever ago, June 5th, this is Ridgewood. We had an outside Pentecost potluck. And we figured out the best shady spot on our property to make that happen. You might Pentecost 2021, a year ago. Everyone, Rebecca's taking deep breaths because you remember the beads of sweat on us. We did it in the front parking lot on a hot asphalt. But we figured out a good place under the trees in the back. Amen. <laughs> and still felt that Pentecost wind. Now you remember Pentecost... Is the day is the church's birthday. We had party hats. We had uh, those noise makers. Um, we had confetti on the tables, bright colors. Uh, the kids sang happy birthday. All of you sang happy birthday as well. Because Pentecost is a party. It's the birthday party of the church. It's when we celebrate that the Spirit came onto those early Christians as fire and wind and spirit to do some cool stuff in this world. And now we get to live into that spirit as the church of 2022. How cool is that? So birthday party, June 5th. Our next, uh, our next Sunday, June 12th. Now there were two things that happened this Sunday and it was really like a toss-up what I was going to put, but I didn't get any pictures of you preaching, Stu, so I'm really sorry. We had Pride Sunday here at Ridgewood. Our worship leader, Stu, and I decided to switch places, so Stu preached that day, um, gave his testimony about what it's like to be a person who is gay in the Christian community. Um, uh, spoiler, it can be tough. Thank goodness for churches like Ridgewood. And that day, we also had a baby sprinkle for our Jones family. Um, this was halfway through the gifts, I'll say. This was only halfway through the gifts, I think. So by the time we were done, there were some, I think, on the floor and piled high. So thank you to all those who did the walkthrough sprinkle. I hope you enjoyed lemonade that day. And then... On June 18th, because we haven't had a busy enough June already, on June 18th, about 16 of us gathered in downtown Louisville to join in the Pride Parade. The shirt that Pat and Wayne are modeling for us this morning, thank you, was in downtown Louisville. We were one of several churches, thanks be to God, several churches who had banners who were participating in the Pride Parade. Um, and this moment. I um, I can't describe this moment. They kind of had us in corrals as the parade started. So there was, there was, as the parade went this way, there was a crowd going this way and a crowd going that way. And they would release one group and then another group and then one group. And as our group rounded that first turn and you got to see down, I think it's Market Street, you got to see down Market Street, just people lining the street waving happy pride we love you our banner says what it's out front you'll see it as you come and go uh, for the next few weeks for god so loves the world yes and this moment I, I i took my phone out really quick to get this picture because i got goosebumps and was reminded that the holy spirit is not within these walls but it's sometimes down on Market Street in downtown Louisville. This was a beautiful, beautiful moment in the kingdom of God. And then last Sunday, man, live stream is so unforgiving. Uh, this 
Uh, we joined Amazing Grace Community of Faith just around the corner on Terry Road for Juneteenth. Um, I probably could have written a decent sermon for Juneteenth, maybe had some prayers, but here's the thing. We're pretty white in here, right? So we asked a primarily black church if we could join them for worship and have them lead us in worship. And I want to be clear about this, okay? Because there's been a little bit confusion. So in order to go back to move forward, we're not trying to become one church by the Holy Spirit. We kind of are already, okay? But that's another sermon. Um, We are not trying to become one church. We are not trying to say, you have to believe our theology. We're not trying to say, um, we have to believe their theology. We're not, we're not trying to do that. Um, so if, if that, I hope you were not misled in that. Um, we are trying to join together to be in relationship, to better understand the kingdom of God, because we are not it. Just to be clear. So a lot of cool things have happened in June, you all. I'm confident the spirit is dancing, making wrong things right. And man, we get to be a part of it. How cool is that? But I, I feel like, to be very honest, this week has kind of knocked me off my feet a little bit. Um, particularly with the overturning of Roe v. Wade that has, that has um, really pushed our country into a, a tailspin. I feel like every time the rhetoric calms down just a little bit, something happens, and those Facebook keyboard warriors just start again. Um, so I have to go back again. I have to go back to what I know, and I'm not going to try to convince you of anything Um, except for the obvious. You are sitting in a Baptist church. We are Baptist. Now, for some of you, that's a a trigger point. I know saying that word for some of you goes, or I don't want to be Baptist, or I grew up in an ex-Baptist church, and that's not what I believe anymore. But here's the thing. We're going to talk about this word. When I say we are Baptist, there's a lot behind that. And there's a lot that's not behind that. So we'll get back to the plowshares in a second. But first, I have to go back to what I know. Here's, here's we are Baptist with a star, okay? First of all, not all Baptists are Southern Baptists. Can we just name that as it is? Not all Baptists are Southern Baptists. You may have grown up in a church that um, gave offering to the Southern Baptist Convention, okay? Typically, these Baptist organizations, if you give money to them as a church, that means you are part of that affiliation, or you can choose to be part of that affiliation. There are several churches that are duly aligned. We call them duly aligned. So you may be, you may give offering to the Southern Baptist Convention, and you may also give offering to the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. We'll we'll talk about that. Um, We belong to the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, okay? So um, there are lots of Baptists that are not Southern Baptists. I mean, like, lots of Baptists. (laughs) So you you can see it on their signs. You might see General Baptist, Free Will Baptist, Missionary Baptist. There are more. Or 
or you might find it in pe how people describe themselves. So we are Cooperative Baptist, right? Um, which is so funny. We have cooperate in our name. But Cooperative Baptist, um, some people like to say, I'm a moderate Baptist. Some people like to say, I'm a fundamentalist Baptist. We call ourselves a progressive Baptist church. Now, there is a denomination called the Progressive Baptist, but we are not part of that denomination. Progressive, like little p, like it's our descriptor. Like we as a church believe in the progress of the Holy Spirit, okay? So um, we are a progressive, small p, Baptist church. Man, you didn't know there was such being Baptist, did you? I know, here we go. All right, here's what I also want to tell you. We are not undercover Baptists. Um, this is a, ter a term that, um, um, I don't know if I coined, but I would like to trademark it right now. We are not undercover Baptists. But here's what I mean by that. If you look at our church sign, it says Ridgewood Baptist Church, right? If you look at the bulletin on the front, if you look at our logo, it says Ridgewood Baptist Church. Some of y'all, I know, do we have to put Baptist in our logo? Yes, it's important. And here's why. Well, this is all why. Um, a lot of I'm going to say it, a lot of non-denominational churches, if you look at their leadership and where they were trained, it was probably a Southern Baptist school. I'm not going to say always, because it's, it's not a total blanket statement, but I will give you nine times out of ten and accept that I might be one or two percent off on that. More than likely, non-denominational churches, including ones in Louisville, I guarantee you, go to their website, see where they hold undergrad, undergraduate uh, degrees from, master's degrees from. Non-denominational churches, more than likely, have a Southern Baptist current running through them. Deal? We're not undercover Baptists. Some people are. Also, Baptist is not a derogatory word. We're that Baptist name proud, okay? I've, I've told you before that I was a Methodist youth minister for a little while, and it always cracked me up when something like weird came up in our discussion, and some of my youth would say, oh, that's so Baptist. And I would say, no, it's not. Like, you don't even, you don't even know what this means. So it's not a derogatory word. By adding other adjectives to it, Sometimes we make it into derogatory words, but the word Baptist itself is not a bad word. Are you still Baptist with me? Okay, we're still like, some people are like, I'm getting out the door. Okay, sometimes when we describe ourselves as Baptist, as Ridgewood, we'll say, and I've said it, I know you've probably said it, oh, we're not that kind of Baptist though. Because people will say, you go to a Baptist church and you'll say, I'm not that kind of Baptist. You're laughing because you've said it, haven't you? I hope, and maybe even I believe, that little by little, we will reclaim the name Baptist as something that means free by the grace of God. Because really, at its, at its core... That's what the Baptist church was created for. Freedom from the churches of Europe, the Church of England, that set a lot of rules about who was in and who was out, about what you had to do to make sure you were good enough to be part of the church. So I feel like um, I want to remind us today, and 
maybe you can read between the lines, I don't know, of um, some of those core values as Baptists. I didn't intend to give a Baptist lecture today, so if you came expecting something like really different, I'm so sorry. Uh, but I feel like this is important to to maybe kind of help sort out those leftovers that are maybe in your fridge of your mind. Um, each day as Christians, not necessarily Baptists, but each day as Christians, we choose to believe things. We actively choose that we are going to believe. So here is what I believe. And I've had crossroads where I have flirted with other denominations in my pastoral journey. But I choose to be Baptist because of these reasons. Um, First, I'm going to talk about the four fragile freedoms. We're going to go through this very quickly. Is a staple in Baptist life, Walter Sheridan. Um, he was at Southern Seminary, who where a few of a few of us us a few of you attended. I'm female. Uh, a few of you attended. Um, uh, there is an endowed Sheridan lecture that happens. I think at Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, isn't that right, Chris? So this man is well known in Baptist circles. So we're going to go through the freedoms real quick. You're welcome. First is freedom. This means that <laughs> the Bible is not part of the Trinity. If you've met with me for coffee, you've probably heard me say that at some point. The Trinity are creator, sustainer, and redeemer. Creator, redeemer, sustainer. Um, or you may know that as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible is not there. We read the Bible through the lens of Christ. That is how we interpret scripture. We read scripture through the love and grace of Jesus Christ. That goes from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. We read it under the impression of Christ. The Bible freedom is for, meaning it is for the purpose of our continued obedience to God. Um, meaning that the Holy Spirit continues to work through Scripture. How Scripture was interpreted thousands of years ago may not be how we look at it today, and that's okay. The Bible is not a stagnant document. We believe that it continues to move forward. Freedom from, Bible freedom from, there's this Latin phrase you may or may not have heard called sola scriptura. And it means scripture alone. It means that we look to the Bible alone for our instruction. You may, in other denominations, if you've visited other churches, you may have said a creed before, the Nicene Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, blah, blah, blah. You know that one. Um, Or actually, you probably don't know that one if you're a lifelong Baptist. Um, That creed says what we believe theologically. And here's the thing, you could believe everything that creed says, but there may be things that you believe outside of that creed too. There may be questions you have within that creed. A creed is basically just a collection of statements that says very black and white, here is everything we believe. It talks about what you believe about God. Um, It talks about what you believe about Christ, um, the way that Christ came into the world, what happened when we die, all that stuff. But it's okay if you believe in stuff out of that. The only written document that we look to for our instruction is scripture. Sola scriptura. And then lastly, um, freedom of. Freedom of interpretation of the Bible. 
Now, I'm, I'm kind of, I guess, lucky uh, because I get to stand up here and tell you how I interpret the Bible every Sunday, and I hope that may give you some, um, some guidance. But you know what some of my favorite conversations have ever been? When I get that email on Monday, oh, I don't know if that's what I believe about Scripture, Molly. Great. Can we meet for coffee and talk about it? I love doing I feel like we should do that more. So if I ever, here's, here it is. If I ever say something from the pulpit that you disagree with, I will buy coffee. Deal? Deal. Our second freedom is our soul freedom. This is, um, you may hear this called the priesthood of believers. Basically, I believe that you have a brain and we believe that everyone else has a brain too, right? Um, meaning faith should be voluntary, not forced. Your faith in God should be voluntary, not forced. Because if your faith is forced, it's not faith. It's coercion. And because of that, typically as Baptists, always as Baptists, I guess, we, uh, we believe in believer's baptism, meaning that there is a moment in your life where you have the freedom of conscience to say, you know, I would like to be baptized. I feel like I am ready for this moment um, where I recognize God's belovedness of me and I want to take a public uh, profession of faith in order to let others know that as well. But the priesthood of all believers is not only for a single person to sit in their house and interpret scripture. It is intended for community. Community community. That is why the church is so important. We believe that all have equal access to God. It is not through a pastor. It is not through a priest. It is not through a bishop. All have equal access to God always. This is my favorite, church freedom, or you may call it autonomy of the local church, meaning we are a Baptist church, right? We're Baptists. We love it. And there's a Baptist church down the road, and I would venture to say there's a Baptist church beyond that and beyond that and beyond that, and we all look different, and we all are autonomous, and, and we can all believe what we want to believe. That's kind of the beauty of the Baptist church, is that we're all independent. We're all autonomous churches. We are congregational models, meaning we don't have a bishop. We don't have um, elders. We are congregational model. And then lastly, and this is very important if you can read between the lines today, religious freedom, meaning that we believe in the freedom of religion. We believe in the freedom for religion and that we believe in the freedom from religion. Because remember what I said a few moments ago. If faith is coerced, it's not faith. It's coercion. And I would venture to say, when faith is coerced through policies, it doesn't create faith. It creates hatred. There's one more under religious freedom. It's the separation of church and state. A lot of denominations will claim this, but I want to say that uh, Baptists are the, can I say Baptists are the OG of separation of, of church and state. If you don't know what that means, we're just the originals um, of the separation of, of church and state. 
And here's what that means too. It means that we don't get off the hook. It means that when Christ tells us to go and make disciples, we can't use a government to help us do that. It means that we should be sent out from this place knowing that we are called as Christians to make disciples of all nations, not the policymakers of the country. I'm going to step off that soapbox, and I'm going to tell you, um, in not so many words, in that refrigerator of leftovers, y'all, I hate cantaloupe. I, I think it is the worst invention ever. Rebecca, you too? Thank you. I hate cantaloupe. I have... Do you too? Oh, you don't. You love it. <sighs> okay. Um, well, this is the cantaloupe church, Diana, so you can go make your own Baptist. I'm just kidding. Um, I think it is the worst taste ever. And you know why I hate it so much? It's because whenever you get mixed fruit from any restaurant, it's at least 75% cantaloupe. And you know what else about cantaloupe? It's a selfish fruit. You know why? Because it's when, when it's in that fruit mixture, it makes everything else taste like cantaloupe. It's the worst. So here's what, here's what I want to do. Um, I would like to say that from here on out, we are not going to have cantaloupe at any church function. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if you want to eat it. We're not going to have cantaloupe at any church function. And in fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to petition to all of the Krogers in this country to stop carrying cantaloupe. Because if they stop carrying cantaloupe, then I don't have to deal with it anymore. No one can buy it. If I, if I don't like it, then you can't eat it either. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat that in the microphone, but thank you, Bill, Dr. Bill. Yeah, I love you. Man, if you read cantaloupe through the eyes of the Baptist faith, Seems a little coercive, doesn't it? In the United States right now, it takes two billion dollars to become president. Someone from Ireland stood up this week and told us this in the United Nations report. Someone from Ireland saw this. It takes $2 billion to become president in the United States. Estimate, rough estimate, $2 billion. Currently, the United States holds 25% of all of the world's prisoners. A vast majority of those being non-white. Currently, the U.S. spends $800 billion in arms each year. That is more than most of the rest of the world combined. Of the United States' 275-year history, 250 of those years have been spent at war with someone else. And still, 
we can't afford health care for our poorest citizens. And still, 17 million children go to bed hungry each night. And still, half a million children are in the foster care system. And still, LGBTQ teenagers are four times as more likely to commit suicide than their peers. And still, this week, did you hear the leading cause of death in children? Firearms. I can't say that without, I can't, I can't say that without getting emotional about that. Um, so I, I want to know when will we beat our spears into plowshares? When are we going to do that? Because if we go back to June 5th, when we celebrated that fire of Pentecost coming upon the church that created change and, and sought justice and sought to make wrong things right, I feel like we're failing. And remember, I asked you the question on Pentecost, and I'll ask you every year, what would you do if you knew that you couldn't fail? I trust that the Spirit was with us on June 5th. I trust that the Spirit was with us on Pride Sunday. I trust that the Spirit was with us at the Pride Parade. I really do believe and I trust that. I trust that the Spirit was with us on Juneteenth as we worshiped with Amazing Grace Community of Faith. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to believe in that Spirit, not as wind right now, but as fire. Because the only thing that will make those metal spears be turned into plowshares is heat. The only thing that will bend those swords into plows is heat. It's metal. It has to get hot. So here's the deal. We had 16 people in the Pride Parade this year. 16 people representing Ridgewood came to the Pride Parade. Next year, I need 30 of us there. I need 30. We got to bring people. I need 30. Here's the deal. Right now, I have eight people signed up for Vacation Bible School to volunteer. Nine. Thank you, Brooklyn. Mason, I'm volunteering you. Ten. I need 20. I need 20 because we're serving a meal at five o'clock to the children in this area, a lot of whom are getting free lunches through JCPS during the day and are going to bed hungry. I need you to be the fire. Because I think that the only way we are going to beat our plowshares of $2 billion or $800 billion on arms is if we listen and work with that Pentecost fire. I want to share with you a, a quote from one of my favorites, Barbara Brown Taylor. She said, Jesus was not killed by atheism and anarchy. He was brought down by law and order allied with religion, which is always a deadly mix. Beware those who claim to know the mind of God and who are prepared to use force, if necessary, to make others conform. Beware those who cannot tell God's will from their own. Sit here and try to articulate God's will. Um, but I will say this. We know we can feed the hungry. We know that we can tell people they are beloved child, children of God. We don't have to do it through policies. We can do it through our action as a church. Amen? Amen. And just so you have a little encouragement to keep fighting the good fight, 
I want to share with you two things. First is that yesterday I received a message on Facebook from someone I went to college with. Um, she lives in northern Kentucky, and she said, Molly, um, if I lived in Louisville, I would be at your church because I really felt that my church believed in the autonomy um, and, and the support of women's bodies, but I found out today after something I posted on Facebook that they don't. So I wish go to your church because it seems refreshing. She said, I've only been burned by churches and that's why I haven't been in 10 years. There are people out there who need us. There are people out there who need this fire, who want to know this fire lives. Secondly, I want to show you this. This was a surprise last night. Um, these are hydrangeas. Um, they are because the neighbor that is down the street from my parents Somehow got in conversation with them. They told them I was a pastor here. I think maybe saw my dad's logo shirt that he was wearing, like Pat is modeling for us. And they asked about this church. This morning, they sent hydrangeas for our altar from their home because they watch on Sundays, because they believe in hope. They believe in the fire of the Holy Spirit that continues to blaze, not through policy, not through policymakers, but through us. Friends, this is a heartbreaking week. But I don't think the Spirit's done with us yet. Let's pray together. God, I give you thanks for this congregation. And give you thanks for your Holy Spirit. And ask that together we would catch fire. We would bring the heat, God. That we wouldn't, maybe for just a moment, we wouldn't see the Holy Spirit as that refreshing wind, but God as that, that driven fire. Fill us up and send us out so we may be your disciples. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.